If you are looking for even more help and guidance on your breakup, I have a few different options for you to take your healing to the next level. I have four different online courses depending on what stage of the breakup that you're in from beginning all the way into moving on after heartbreak, or you can bundle all of my courses together and use the code podcast to get $25 off my course bundle. I also have my 30 day no contact challenge to help hold you accountable in going no contact with your ex. And we have our free Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with other people going through breakups all over the world. To learn more about any of these resources, head to the show notes where you can learn more about my courses, take the quiz to figure out which course is best for you, or join the Facebook group. And don't forget to use the code PODCAST to get $25 off my course bundle. Welcome to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast with your host, Breakup Bestie, aka me, Kendra. Breakups are hard, but you don't have to do it alone. Each week, I will be taking you through a different topic as it relates to breaking up, healing from heartbreak, growing in your single life, dating, and getting back into happier and healthier relationships. The goal of this show is to provide support, hope, tips, and to remind you that above all, this too shall pass. Welcome to another listener episode of the podcast. Today, I am talking to Natasha B, which I say that because we happen to have two Natashas on pretty close together, so just want to differentiate. But Natasha went through a breakup about seven months prior to our interview, and she was with the person for two and a half years. And her breakup is really an example of a breakup that was not only blindsiding, but also did not come with closure, felt like it happened out of nowhere. And it's really an example of how you can put so much into the relationship and do every single thing you can to fix it and then realize that you can't fix a relationship that's not with the right person. And she talks about her journey of how she was able to realize that. We also talk about this journey of getting to a place of anger and how important that can be, especially when it seems like for all intents and purposes, you came out of a relationship that was great and you couldn't really see a lot that was wrong with it, how getting to a place of anger can be hugely important. And you know, in this episode, Natasha does not follow the no contact rule and she does reach out to her ex multiple times throughout the breakup. And you guys obviously know I'm a big proponent of the no contact rule, but I think it is important to hear experiences of what is it like to to reach out to an ex? What does it feel like? Is it productive? And she's also a great you know, example of like a big message of hers is to give herself grace and to not be so judgmental. And she is beautifully honest about how hard going through a breakup is. And, you know, she ended up moving to a new city and really starting fresh after this breakup. So I'm very grateful to Natasha for coming on and and sharing this experience with us. And I get a lot of messages about people who are right around the six month mark of the breakup and they say, I'm still really struggling. Is this okay? And Natasha is a great example of, you know, at six months, she was really, really struggling. And now, you know, talking to her at about seven and a half months post breakup, right after that six month mark, she did start feeling a lot better. So I think, you know, grief has no timeline, but, you know, we see a lot of things of people believing that they should be, quote unquote, over their ex at the, you know, one month mark, two month mark, when really that's not necessarily realistic. So I think she's a great example of that. And I am so excited for you guys to meet her. Hey, Natasha, welcome to the show. I am so excited to to have you on and hear, hear about your story. Hi, nice to talk to you. It's really, really cool to get to come on and chat with you. So let's start off by just introducing yourself a little bit. Just, you know, who are you? Tell us a little bit about you. Okay. So I am 28 as of two days ago. Happy birthday. Thank you. And I am originally from Connecticut, but I moved out to Chicago for my doctorate for my PharmD. And then I stayed a year for my postdoc. There was always this question, am I going to move to Indianapolis? And at the time, is my relationship going to become long distance. And then I ended up getting lucky with COVID and getting to, to drag my feet in Chicago for a little bit longer. 
And then more recently, about a month ago, I moved to Denver. So now I live out in Denver. I absolutely love the outdoors and I love skiing. So it seems like a really good fit for me right now at this phase in my life. Are you done with school now? Sounds like you were in school for a very long time with all the things that you just <laughs> Oh yeah. I went to Yukon in Connecticut. My undergrad was neurobio and physiology. And I thought to myself, medical school, but am I really, do I really want to suffer that much? <laughs> I, I love science, but it never came naturally to me. So I was like, at some point, Tosh, you got to stop going against the grain, use your scientific skills and go into business or, or something with people that came much more easily to me than the research side of things. So I, I think going into pharmacy for four years, and then I did a research focused postdoc. And then I took my now job in pharmaceutical development. So I work on kind of advancing new therapeutic technologies, which is very cool. That is so impressive. Very it's impressive. Very boring. <laughs> no, it's very impressive. So tell us a little bit about the relationship that led you to become a listener and now a speaker on this podcast. Yeah. So I met my most recent ex in February of 2018. And we met off a dating app, Hinge, which I will say great app, especially in Chicago. For some reason, that app does so well there. And we were off and on in a weird way for about 10 months. When we first met, things happened very quickly. And then because of that, trust issues happened. And honestly, mostly my fault. I came from a past relationship that I felt like I really followed him and did everything he wanted to do. So it was very protective over my independence. So, you know, we'd been dating for like two, three weeks. He wanted to get into a relationship and I was, I felt like I rebelled against that quite a bit. And then it was rebuilding trust for the next 10 months. Finally, the following December, we had a conversation that was like, the boxing gloves need to come off. It's you hurt me. I'm defensive. I feel hurt. I'm defensive. Like We need to just kind of be there for each other. After that conversation, it was really like two and a half years of a really wonderful relationship until I would say about June of this past year. One day we were chatting and I could tell I was bothering him and I felt hurt that I was bothering him. I kept, we're both working from home during a pandemic. I keep coming into his office for hugs and kisses and midday affection. And he was getting very annoyed. And I, I stepped back for a minute and I asked him, I said, you know, I feel like I've been annoying you more lately, but I, I feel like I I'm sensing that you're further away. So is there something to that? Am I unconsciously clinging to you a bit more than I'm used to? He said, yes, I'm feeling distant, but I'm not sure why I need to think about that. So then became started this period of like two months of push-pull of me trying to do absolutely everything in my power to figure out what was going on with him he needed space. Okay. I would book like a gym class dinner with the girls. And then I'd go for like a two hour walk so that he would have like, we were living together, have the house to himself for the night. Then I'm like, okay, maybe I should try and be more affectionate in supportive ways. I'll join the volleyball team with you. I'll go watch all of your hockey games. I didn't know what to do at all. And it led to a lot of anxiety for me having read the wonderful book attached, I can really see how avoidant he was and how overly attached I was becoming. And I had always viewed myself as a very secure person. So the protest behaviors of getting to the end of the day, feeling like I had tried so much to figure out what was going on inside of his head and communicate with him, getting nothing back, throwing up my hand saying, okay, I'll sleep on the couch. Like, if you're not going to talk to me and then him coming down to get me and us getting 
back to treading water, but never getting better. Hmm. So after two months of that, he called things off. And I said, I really don't think that's a good idea. I think it's something's going on with you. Let's get you a therapist. Something seems up. And we did. But then two weeks later, he sat me down and said, I haven't talked myself out of thinking that a breakup is what I'm supposed to do. And we ended things. And then it was tumultuous through the fall. But yeah, that was about it. I'm impressed he never like went back on anything he said, but it was a difficult breakup. I think, I mean, not just a difficult breakup, but I think two months of like doing that. I mean, I love the book attached. I think attachment styles are so spot on and so interesting, but I also think like, I think if you put like a hundred percent secure attachment person in that same situation, I think they would act in the same way, you know, like I think no matter how secure someone is or how confident someone is in the relationship, if you put someone in a position where their partner is not talking to them, not engaging with them, it would drive literally anyone crazy. I think, I mean, I, you know, me listening, I'm like, oh my God, I would, you know, and I've done that. Like been the person that's like, I will literally do whatever I need to, to give you space. But, and then I'm not okay. You know, it was just so, I think even days now to me, so shocking because the previous fall, you know, he wanted to move in together. We house shop together. We a place it needed $80,000 worth of renovations. He works a lot and I had to do a lot of things either by hand or for him, whether that was like, it was really such a team effort that I was shocked. I I thought we were past the point of no return on like the level of investment we had both put in to the relationship. And I I think it goes to show you, like, doesn't matter. Things can always happen, but I was very surprised at the lack of communication when we've put so much in, we, you know, we have holidays together. We've been ring shopping. What do you mean? You just don't want to talk to me. Like what happened? And to this day, you know, he's stood by the fact that nothing happened like with another person or something like that. I think it was more likely time to propose and he didn't know what he wanted and kind of created conflict around that. Yeah. And I think, especially because I was, when you were first talking about the beginning of your relationship, you know, his comment about like the boxing gloves, I think that shows that like he can communicate really well. Yeah. Oh yeah. You guys, you know, started off on a good foot. And I also, I thought it was really interesting how from your previous relationship, you said that you like kind of lost yourself. And so you lost your independence and you didn't want to do that again. I thought that was like a very positive thing. But I think then when you were put in that stressful situation, you probably like reverted back to like, I will do anything to make this relationship work. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I come from a family that, and it's so much my family dynamic. If you love your family, you stick together, you work through hard times. I love my parents. My parents probably should have been divorced twice, but they stick it out. They fight through the hard months weeks, even years that, you know, 2008 financial crisis was not great for my family. So I think fighting through all of that, I see that relationships are the long-term and how I approach them is full investment when things get rocky. And I definitely have trouble letting go because of that too. Yeah. And I think, I mean, these things that you're expressing, they're like values to you in a relationship, which are amazing. It just, you know, needs to have that other, you know, takes two to tango in a relationship. Exactly. And I think that was, like you said, he was like, not only is he a fantastic person inside now, like was my best friend, but a fantastic communicator, really, really emotionally intelligent, a complete 180 from people I dated in the past. And I was much younger in those relationships too. So I think that's part of maybe why communication was a little harder at those points in my life. Also, he was a little older than me. He really knew what he wanted. He was very secure, 
very, very easy to talk to, cannot say enough wonderful things about him. And I think that was a really hard struggle was here's this wonderful person in myself and here's this wonderful person here, but somehow it's still failing. So, yeah. And I think that's a question I get a lot is like the question of, but what if my relationship was great? And what I tell people is like, I think someone that's coming out of a great relationship is so much more likely to go into an even greater relationship, you know, because it's like, you know, when you start dating again, you have a bar set and your bar is pretty high, which is great. And you're not going to go below it. Like you're not going to go to someone who's like worse. You're going to, you know, you're going to build upon the great experience that you had. And so the relationship's going to be even greater. And I think people think like you get like one great relationship in your life, which, you know, which definitely isn't true. If you're someone that's aware, which you clearly are, like you stated the relationship dynamic so beautifully. And, um, you know, you're only going to improve on that, you know, from there. Yeah. I think there's so much more out there for me. I think at age 27, having dated him for the, my, most of my mid twenties, And then having chosen being originally from the East coast that I was going to stay and do the house thing in Chicago and set down some roots. It was also the loss of, okay, like pandemic friends are all couples. Haven't seen my friends in two years. Okay. I share a home with him. Where do I live? I work remote. Do I move to my company? Do I move to my parents? Do I move to Canada? But all of these questions. And then if I have to sort of have a fresh start here and and find hobbies that aren't linked to our joint volleyball team and our joint couples game nights, what are those hobbies going to be? And that's ultimately, I, I think I tried to stay in Chicago for a while to make Chicago fit me, but it felt like it was time to move on and that there were other things. And one of the healthiest things for me has been to move to Colorado and kind of do what I love to do in a place I love to do it. And that's been really therapeutic. I can't recommend that to everyone to leave their entire life behind and move to a brand new city, but it worked for me. <laughs> yeah, no. And I, I love that. And, and I want to go back a little bit to, you know, the days and weeks immediately after the breakup, obviously, you know, not the highest point in your life, And, you know, kind of walk me through what did that look like? And what were some of the first like couple things you turned to, to, you know, try to keep your head above water? So the day we broke up, I packed my things in my car and, or anything I could fit in the car. And then I went to a hotel and then I had to drive back to the East coast the next day, which was about a 14 hour drive. So I was like everything I own in my back seat. So I called probably everyone I knew, at least my close friends during that car ride. And there was a lot of crying and driving, but that really helped me because it prepped my friends, especially all of my friends had become friends with him and were in all the group messages. So it kind of, by letting my friends know, it felt like they knew to protect me because it was very sudden and shocking for them also. The first few weeks when I got home to Connecticut, I decided to stay with my family. I don't think I came out of my bedroom for two weeks. Didn't eat a lot. I think I lost about 25 pounds the first two months, which was a lot. And two weeks after just sitting in bed, I finally started to go for walks. So every day I tried to go for a walk. And then I was like, if I can make it 10 steps, half mile further, The next day, I'll do that. And I ended up basically training for a marathon again (laughs) inadvertently, but it was really good to get outside, be in nature, spend some time with my dog. That was really great. And then after that, I made the decision to come back to Chicago and find an apartment for about two, three months. So I felt like I had lost the relationship and the level of loss was so much. The loss of the city I'd spent the last five years in, my friends there, I had a part-time job teaching children's figure skating. It was very easy for me to travel into the office when I did need to go in. 
So I decided to go back to Chicago and try and reclaim that city for myself a bit. It ended up feeling much more like a goodbye tour, but it was a good move for me to see that I didn't want to be in Chicago anymore for myself and not that I had to leave. That's awesome. I think that's perfect. Like you decided your ex wasn't going to take it away from you, but then ultimately you decided it wasn't for you, which I think is, I think sometimes people get really stuck in like, I'm not going to let my ex take this away from me. So they like stay in something that's not serving them anymore, or they, you know, just decide to bolt out of something because they just like, can't, you know, can't handle it. So I think you know, I think that's, even if it was the goodbye tour, it was kind of like you got closure with the city of Chicago. And I think going back to that, that car ride that you were talking about, I think that's a really important point that I don't, that I think a lot of people kind of skip over is not just like telling your friends that you went through a breakup, but like honestly telling them how much you're in pain. Yeah. I think is really important as someone me is I'm a huge people pleaser. And so mm-hmm. I tend to not like to, I tend to think sometimes that me putting something like that on a friend is, is like burdensome. So I'll try yeah. to be like, by the way, this happened. I'm fine though. How like, and I'm like, how are you? And they're like, hello, are, yeah. are you okay? And then people will say, then they'll complain that their friends aren't being supportive when really their friends like really just don't know what's going on. So I think that like raw, unfiltered, I'm like underwater right now. I really, you know, need your support is really important. I think needs to happen. We can't just assume that friends can read our mind and know how much we're hurt. Oh yeah. And I had one or two of my really close friends from childhood who I leaned on extensively. My, my poor friend, Rick, I I think I called him every day for three months, usually in tears and the level of patience, but also sometimes because he's one of my best guy friends, the level of, all right, well, this is dumb today. Like you shouldn't like (laughs) that. Seeing that poster shouldn't have made you cry. We got Tosh. No, not today. And kind of giving me a little sass that helped too. I'm a big ruminator and I will get in my own head and go in circles and having someone like him to just be like, well, or we could just not think about that. <laughs> yeah. Those kind of friends are very important. And I do think men tend to be a little bit better at that than, than women too. Yes. <laughs> or like, come here. It's okay. We're, yeah. you know, and yeah. sometimes we need someone. Yeah. We need someone to be like, all right, we're done with that today. What were some of, you know, saying you're a ruminator, what were some of the things that you were really ruminating on after the breakup? The phrase, like, how could he was over and over and over because it was so misaligned with the person I dated. I didn't have a lot to this day, I wish I had something to really hate him over or just like something he did wrong or like cruelty in the relationship or, but there wasn't, I really only have, you know, those two months and then the breakup and that has to be enough. And it was really hard for me for a long time to think that that was enough to end a two and a half, three year relationship where we lived together and had started making future plans. The loss of the plans was a big loss that took me a long time and I would ruminate over that. Like is so he just doesn't want to know what I did with my day. Like he's not wondering if I'm okay. Like what about the, I landscaped the roof deck. I was like, I wonder if he's watered any of those flowers. What are the, all the flowers dead? That was, I spent $300 on flowers. Like all these things that you just have to let go. But I would ruminate over all those small things of like, it was my home. A big thing I kept coming back to, which sounds so nuts, is I went to the the tile store to pick out tiles for the master bath and the guest bath. I must have been in that tile store 10 times, 10 times, renegotiating matching tiles. And I was like, that to me is love. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and the fact that I had just been, I was 25 years old. I could have been at a club. Instead, I'm in the <laughs> tile store Saturday night looking at tiles. Like, come on. 
Come on. That's the girl you marry is tile girl. <laughs> and someone will cherish tile girl someday, right, right. you know, <laughs> and, that's but, and, and the conversation of, okay, I did it. I did a great renovation. I had a very stable life, but I can do it again. And I'll do it with someone that fits that life a little bit better. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you do if you had unlimited time and energy? As you're navigating your breakup, I know your energy can feel low and it can feel really difficult to complete everything you need to in a day. When you're emotionally exhausted, it's especially important to be really clear on what your priorities are and where your energy should be invested. Therapy has helped me in the past figuring out where I should be putting my energy, whether that's career, friendships, relationships, events, which in turn has helped lower my anxiety because I don't always have to feel stretched thin or behind. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash heartbreak today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash heartbreak. Are you looking for a guilt-free way to unwind? Between balancing your breakup, work, and just functioning in your day-to-day life, I know you are under a lot of stress. Breakups mess with your nervous system, cause obsessive thoughts, and make it so hard to just sit with yourself. This is why it's so important to have rituals that allow you to treat yourself in a healthy way. And this is why I love Recess Mood, a sparkling water infused with functional ingredients like stress-balancing adaptogens and mood-lifting magnesium. Life has been very full and stressful for me lately, and as someone who hasn't had alcohol in a 11 years, I need something that helps me relax and that can bring me a moment of peace. Lately, my favorite way to do that is sitting on the couch after I put my kids to bed and having either the strawberry rose or the lime recess mood. They not only make me feel good, but they also taste incredible too. So whether you're looking for a healthier alternative to alcohol or a way to make you feel more balanced, you deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash heartbreak and get 15% off recess mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. You can't make, can't make it fit. You can't. And how did you make peace with those things that you were? Cause I think you're a perfect example of like not getting closure. Cause there really wasn't yeah. like a reason. How have you made peace with that? I have had some follow-up conversations with him that helped me. Okay. I tried very hard to do no contact and these are the mistakes that I made that I wish I hadn't have made. I think no contact, especially in the situation where he wanted distance. So obvious. He's asking for distance. Give him distance. And I did. I would go two, two and a half weeks, but then I'd feel like it bubbling up inside of me. There's something unsaid. And then comes the long paragraph text that you're not supposed to press send. You're supposed to put that in your journal. I have a written and a typed journal and a video journal, like regularly updated at those times, but I shouldn't have sent those texts. Did I get some answers from it eventually? Yes. But even his answers of, I felt the way we argued was incompatible or we would never be compatible though. We had been dating for three years. I don't know why suddenly we were incompatible, but I think anything he told me was his truth and it was never going to make sense to me. And even though I, for a couple weeks, months, I kept bubbling up and saying, okay, one last thing to say, you know, when I was trying to give myself closure and then he wouldn't give me a satisfactory response on any level. And it would leave me feeling even worse. So I was getting a fractionated version of whatever he wanted to show me to be emotionally removed. And that's not the person I knew. So that was really difficult. And coming to terms overall with all of it and not really having closure is if it happened now, it would have happened. I don't know if this is a fixable problem commitment or whatever his issue was, but it's certainly not something I can fix. So either way, like he was going to need to pull out and go retreat to his island of one for his own reasons. I'm glad it hasn't happened with two kids and 
a larger mortgage. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point because when I hear about relationships ending because of like, or, you know, let's use the example of like someone getting ghosted. Yeah. I tell people, I'm like, if your partner can't handle like a pretty, not simple, like conversations are hard in relationships, yeah. but if they can't handle like a confrontational conversation and you expect to like get married to them and have children with them and go through really hard stuff. Cause relationships get harder, not, e- yeah. you know, they get harder as time oh, goes yeah. on, not easier. And if, you know, the person you're with needs to like retreat to a cave every, you know, six months or every year and you have kids and you're like, okay, I guess my partner's just going off on his own. Cause he can't handle this. Like, that's not someone that you want to be with though. That's like a hard thing to, you know, re- that's a hard conclusion to reach. Oh, totally. And I was so much, I, so defensive of him and his character for myself too. I didn't want to have said, I put all these years into someone who ended up having bad character. I really do think that he's going through something, but is that something he's going to go through the rest of his life? Is that just who he's become? I don't know the answer to those things. And I think it's a lot of the closure I've gotten for myself is he has to do what he has to do for him. And I have to do what I have to do for me. And if it really, really, really was going to happen years from now, like it will. But I say that as also placation because I know most likely years from now, I'm going to be a very happy, comfortable relationship with the right person because of these experiences. But never say never, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. And so those times, you know, that you did reach out. And I think it's an important point because, you know, obviously I'm like a big proponent of no contact. However, I also know that it's like so easy. It's so hard to follow that. So I think, you know, sharing experience of like when you did reach out, what was like the arc of the feelings? Like, did it feel good at first to send that? And then, you know, you kind of would go down from there. Like what was kind of the like experience of every time you reached out? The day I always reached out was Sundays for the most part, for some reason, going out Friday, Saturday, maybe the hangover hit Sunday, some part of that getting stuck in my feels. But Sunday was also a really big day for us. Big day of sitting on the couch, ordering Thai food, watching movies. It was our day. So I think I felt most connected to him because I knew exactly where he'd be and what he'd be doing on those days also. When I said something, it always was impulsively driven to an extent. And it would kind of go, it's absolutely crazy to me that we're broken up and we haven't talked about anything and you don't want to talk about anything. And that's so crazy to me because I care about you. I feel X, Y, and Z things. I'm struggling with these X, Y, and Z things. I was trying to have a conversation to fix things, to grow from like some sort of effective communication of I'm not assigning you blame. I'm not angry. Definitely not every time I reached out was that. There was definitely a long rant in there about being very angry. But (laughs) for the most part, it was me trying to fix things still by myself. And he did not want to, had no interest in doing that. So I was having conversations with myself that amounted to nothing but me feeling worse that I had said anything. And was there like a last, like, I don't know the last time you you reached out to him, but was there like a last straw of just like, just have like this moment of realization that allowed you to stop reaching out? Yeah. And again, it would go like two weeks or I'd be like, fine. Like something would set me off. And I'd be like, I do not need this person in my life. And then I'd have stuck in my head one Sunday and reach out. And the last time I did, he said something. I asked him, I was like, again, it's so crazy this, that this ever happened. Like we had a home and a life together. And like, I feel like if you were really over this, like, he answered like 12 hours later and was like, I am completely over this. 
I need to move on. You need to move on. We need to heal. And I was so hurt by that, but it was also the perfect last message because anytime I need a reminder of why I don't want to be with this person, I just go to that text and I'm like, this, this is not the person that's going to be your life partner. And that helps a lot. Man, when you read that though, I was like, "Ugh, that's like a punch to the stomach, but it, it is, oh, yeah. it is positive. Yeah. There were a couple like really like some things happened with my family in the fall where my dad was really sick and I reached out to him about that. And he said, I can't get involved. I need boundaries. And I'm like sobbing, like literally, like I was like, please, please help me. It's so sad looking back on. And he was like, no, I, I can't. At that point we were broken up for like two months. And I was like, really, you can't. Okay. But there were all these things that I should have said, Natasha, come on, like, don't let another text slip through. But I really struggled with the no contact thing. I really felt like I had something to say or I needed to hear why, but I was never really going to get that. I think no contact's really positive. However, I have seen a lot of examples of continuing to contact the person is the thing that allows someone to be like, okay, this is clearly over, you know? I think I had to create a new narrative of who he was in order to completely do like I, I needed to be hurt. I needed to see that you don't care about me or my life or, but honestly, no contact probably would have worked too. And I would have felt better about it because, okay, it's been two months. I haven't heard one message from him. Doesn't that just say it all? If someone's able to dismiss you from their life. So easily. So I think it could have worked both ways. It would have been a lot less effort to do no contact. I mean, hard, but less like physical typing, (laughs) less novel writing on my side. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you actually, wait, hang on. I actually want to go back. I bookmarked this in my head is the Sunday thing. That was totally my thing on Sundays too. Is like, that was the hardest. Yeah. Cause it was always the day Cause I think like Friday you go out with friends or, you know, it's like Sunday's usually like the day you spend with a partner. So Sundays yeah. were always really hard for me. And I would tell my friends like, Hey, can you please, you know, reach out to me on Sundays? And like, you know, if you're doing something, please invite me doing, yeah. you know, talking about things like that. Cause I think that is, and you know, even if your day isn't Sunday, I think it's important to like notice if you have a pattern in your breakup, like, Hey, Monday nights are really hard or Fridays are really hard or whatever that looks like. Just so you have, just so when you're on that day and you're like, why do I feel so bad? And you're like, oh, it's Sunday, you know, just knowing like, okay, this is my thing that Mm -hmm. I go through. So I wanted to just, you know, sidebar on that, but because you mentioned you had a hard time not being able to get angry at him. So were you able to reach that level of, of anger? (laughs) I read these text messages to my, my best friend and she was like, It was that level. It was January 1st. So I am hungover. I'm emotional. I'm reflective. It is the reflecting on the past six months and then year. And then like I spent the first six months completely investing into this relationship from like a home, a city, like everything dynamic. And the second half of the year, completely pretending that this person doesn't exist and trying to separate from this person from everything that we've built together. And I looked back and the whole year was about him and not me in the end. It felt that way. So I just exploded. I was like, how dare you after like someone tries so hard, tries to talk to you. How do you just not talk to them? I really blew up. I was really, I wouldn't say unkind. I never insulted him or never said anything mean about his character, but I laid out, Hey, this is what this past year has been like for me. And it's not pretty and it's not fair. And that's terrible. So I didn't feel great after I sent that. And my friends told me that a few days later, he took down all the photos of us on Instagram. So that's how he felt about that. 
he responded with something very level and I don't even remember, but it felt good to get angry. That was probably the first time I really was like, this is not my fault. There isn't something I could have done better or done more of or tried harder. It was like, no, you weren't really nice to me. (laughs) I really should be angry. And, but it's, I'm not an angry person. I'm someone who really works through things. And, but I was sick of being the victim. I got to the point where I was like, wow, I just spent a whole year being like backseat driver and a victim. And I, I need some main character energy. And I just threw that one out there. I love that. And I think when it comes to being able to like get angry and have those, I think that realization of the last year was about him and not you, I think is huge. That's like really a mind blowing realization to have. And I think, you know, you probably would have had that like release of that regardless of if you had sent that or not. And I think just having that realization is huge. And I do, I literally grew up like being told that it's not good to get angry, but, and once I finally realized how important anger is for healing, I'm such a big proponent of it. I think it's really, really important. And even if you're coming out of, you know, a quote unquote, a great relationship, it's, you can still get angry, even if it's not at your ex, like you can just get angry at the situation. Like I hate that this is happening. Like I Mm -hmm. I'm so mad that this is how things went down. It's okay. Like it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be logical necessarily. And I, and I know when you wrote in to be on the show, you talked about that, like you're such a logical person and how your breakup happened was not necessarily logical. So how were you able to like come to terms with that? The worst thing that he would say, because I was always a bit more of the emotional person too. Like I wear my emotions more on my sleeve, but after the level of investment that like falling apart for really what I didn't consider to be reasons that were communicated to me, or there was no chance given to us to work through things. I felt that that was so illogical, but he was like, he told me that he was, the logical one. And we weren't compatible in the beginning and we're not compatible now. And this is just a fact. And that is how this will always come back to bite us. And I said, well, that doesn't make any sense with the logic of the evidence that just the past two and a half years have been where we have worked through serious issues, losses of friends, issues with family. We've been great for each other. So I don't understand how the the narrative has shifted. So dealing with the illogical nature and the ups and downs of my feelings, I think giving myself grace and saying, this is part of a process that I don't fully understand, good at it or better at it. But at the same time, I can't fault myself too much for doing good things, but at times doing self-destructive things or at times doing things that don't really help me, but I had hoped would help me. It's just a process of taking it as it comes. And maybe that is the most logical thing. Yeah. I think you're a great example of everything we do. Part of the breakup is like part of the process. And I'm just such a believer that like nothing happens by mistake necessarily. And so I think, you know, all the texts you wrote out and all, you know, all those things were meant to happen as they were because they happened, you know, and I, I think if you're going to reach out to your ex, like don't spend weeks ruminating about it because you're just, you know, making the situation worse than it needs to be. Like take the the lessons that, that come with it, like take, Mm. take what you can get out of the situation and keep moving forward. And, and you got, you know, you did get to that place, you know, January 1st. And I'd, I'd love to hear, you know, what has it been like? What were, you know, probably seven or eight weeks We're like a month and a half past January 1st. What have the last month and a half looked like since you reached that point of, of anger? Much better. Just less days crying or being stuck in a certain place. I often felt that I would get stuck in a headspace or stuck somewhere and 
even though the walks helped, shifting focus, listening to a podcast, I still felt like my breakup was consuming a lot of things. My pleasure reading, the podcast I listened to, my emotions before breakfast, it still felt like my days were really dominated by this breakup prior to getting angry. And now that I've gotten a little angrier, sometimes I'll see some of these quotable posts on Instagram and I'll say, I, I don't want to read that today. I'm over it today. I'm just over feeling down in the dumps or even needing help because I don't want to talk about it. And just the ability to say like, I don't need this piece of information to carry me through the next 10 minutes has brought me pretty far. That's awesome. You know, you see a lot of stuff on social media that says like, that basically says like how you, you know, your experience is like your choice. Like you choose how to like experience the world. Right. Which I think in some ways it's like a little gaslighty just because, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, we, I would love to just be like, I'm choosing to have a great day today. And then yeah. like, so, <laughs> but there does come a certain point where I think you've done a lot of reclamation of your life. Like you reclaimed Chicago, you reclaimed where you live, you reclaimed your hobbies. Like you've done a lot of that and you've had these realizations of like, I'm going to reclaim like my time before breakfast, or I'm going to reclaim my pleasure reading. I'm going to reclaim my podcasts. So I think that is all incredibly positive. And I love that you did it in steps. Like that's what I think breakups. People are like, I'm not over my breakup. I'm like, there's not like this, like flashing sign finish line. That's like, you're over it. That's not how it works. It's literally like, okay, I'm going to reclaim this. This is starting to feel better. It's, it's literally like a series of things that you're going to go through. Yeah. And then I moved out here January 3rd. So living in Denver for the past month has been really wonderful for a new headspace, new things to do, new people to see. I loved, love Chicago as a city. That was a hard breakup, breaking up with Chicago, but I can't walk past, you know, our supermarket every day or the restaurant we had our first date at, or it was a little bit too triggering. And even after so many months, it was still some of those places were defined by previous experience I had while I was in a relationship. So I felt, let me come to a new city that can be completely mine. My experiences are my own. They're not colored by things I did in the past with one person, even though I maybe I've eaten at that restaurant 15 times with my friends, but no, that was also our first date spot. So that never quite, you know, somehow that is what I'm thinking of when I'm walking by. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think it's awesome that you have been able to start fresh and, and, you know, look back on the past seven months or I seven, is yeah. it been seven months? Six and a half. Okay. Seven. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and be able to see like how much progress has been made. I'm curious, what's been the most surprising thing you've learned about yourself in the last seven months? I've learned that I'm very judgmental of myself. I was especially in the beginning, I didn't want to be home alone a lot. So I'd go meet up with friends at the bar or take myself to dinner at a bar and have a couple beers or have, you know, with the girls have one or two drinks too many. And I was very critical on like, what is a healthy behavior? Am I going out too much? Am I socializing too much? Am I burning the candle at both ends? trying to show myself and the world that I'm just fine, but really it's making me feel worse. So I was a bit critical that I was trying too hard to be okay and wasn't really sitting in the sadness for any point. I was very much like pushing ahead and doing as much as I could to fill the empty time. So I think I've learned that I'm critical of myself. I'm judgmental of myself, but that it's really healthy to give yourself grace and have lower expectations or just no expectations of yourself allow you to go through what you need to go through in a way that maybe isn't always healthy or perfect, but that it'll help you regardless. I love that. I love that. And 
I was writing something recently and I wrote like distractions get a really bad rap. And I, I too, when I go through something hard, I jump in, I I totally burn the candles at both ends, but you know what? It's a pendulum. And this is what my therapist always reminds me of. What do we say about pendulums? They always come back to the middle always. So you're going to like, if we think of a breakup, if you go to like distracting yourself all the time, you'll Mm -hmm. swing over to feeling and then you'll land back in the middle balance. It's like, it just, things have this great way of, of equaling out and balancing themselves out and working themselves out. Oh, totally. I love that. (laughs) And then my final question for you is what would you say to the version of you that just got broken up with yesterday? If you could say something, like if you could like teleport and send her a message. I think there was a lot of questions and reasoning and my friends having been close with him too, not understanding. So everyone was in shock. If I could go back, I'd probably say fuck him and tell myself that because I spent so long being the victim and really contributing to my own pain because I was on top of feeling bad about the breakup. I was feeling so sorry for myself for so long because I was starting over and that F him would have been the greatest gift of it's you now you're independent. I ran into a friend on the street the other day and just went to her wedding and she's wonderful. She's like, what are you doing? What are you up to? I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'll probably go get my nails done, get some dinner and then see some people this weekend. She's like, I miss being single. I have all this couple things. You just got married. You're so happy. She's like, I'm extremely happy, but there's this level of independence that comes with being single that I was so not excited for, for a long time. I thought I had chosen my life partner. That was my third, very serious relationship. Definitely the only person I never lived with. I thought that was it. And I think having someone say, oh, screw that. This person is just as responsible for the relationship failing as you are, if not more. If he wanted to save it, he could have done that too. Screw him. Go have this wonderful life. And I think it would have kept me out of this feeling sorry for myself space that I I existed in for a long time. I love that. I think that's amazing. And, and the fact that you can, you know, be at that now is, is, you know, just as good. So thank you so much for, for coming on and sharing your story. So many good gems in this episode. And I know the listeners are going to get so much out of this. So thank you so much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you loved it, I hope you'll leave a review and share with your friends. If you're not already following me on Instagram, head to at your breakup bestie where I'm sharing new content almost every day. To join our Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with thousands of people from all over the world going through breakups, head to the link in the show notes. And don't forget to check out my online courses for more in-depth help through your healing journey. I always end these episodes the same way, reminding you to be nice to yourself, stay connected with loved ones, and the biggest reminder is that this too shall pass. I promise. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.